fear is an affirmation of our growth. And right now, most people's definition of fear is, I got to avoid that. You know, we are good enough. That doesn't mean we're not going to be motivated and inspired to be more, but that we are good enough. And there's nothing, nothing wrong with us. We are not defected. Coming up, Ariane interviews best-selling author and life coach Rhonda Britton, next on Change Nation from the first 30 days. Welcome to Change Nation. I'm Ariane, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Rhonda Britton. Rhonda is the founder of the Fearless Living Institute, an organization dedicated to supporting individuals in overcoming the emotional fears that keep them from realizing their full potential. They have workshops, teleseminars, books that are given worldwide. She's the author of four national bestsellers, including Fearless Living, translated in 12 languages. She's an international speaker, she was recently the life coach for the Emmy Award-winning television series Starting Over and was named America's Favorite Life Coach. Rhonda, welcome to Change Nation. I love the name Change Nation because that's really what it's all about, isn't it? It is. You know, not only changing a nation, but, you know, changing the nation, changing the world, but changing our own internal nation, you know, our, our, our own internal self, because it's, it's our nation. You know, my house is my nation, my community is my nation. It's... it's uh, it really starts with the individual and goes outward. I love that name. Well, thank you, Rhonda. We're, we're committed to change, whether it's personally, professionally, changing the world, change socially, changing yeah. the climate. It, it'll all happen, won't it? It's, it's what it's all about. It will. It, it, and I, we, we at least here, and I know you're part of this too, we're, we're radically optimistic. You would probably <laughs> say you're fearlessly optimistic. I am fearlessly optimistic. And more than that, I'm fearlessly practically optimistic. I mean, I'm very practical in my optimism. You know, I look around the world and, you know, I'm committed to creating a fearless world. I'm committed to creating a world that really operates from the paradigm or the filter system or the perception of being fearless. And, you know, right now we're in the age of fear. We're in the age of uncertainty. And the age that we're in right now is actually something that hasn't transpired since the Renaissance, since the Middle Ages. And it's a unique time in our history. And so uh, even though we can go, oh, yeah, well, there's a lot of fear in the 50s, or a lot of fear in the 60s, a lot of fear in the 20s, um, it's actually more fear now. You know, it's kind of like all these and all these studies. You know, I love scientific studies. They've done all these studies that people have more certainty about their lives and about who they are than, than any other time since, again, the Middle Ages. Um, there might have been fear in the 50s, but people knew who they were. Men were men. They would, you know, went to work, and women stayed home, and, you know, everybody had their roles. Well, roles are out the window. Labels are out the window. Uh, you know, uh, you know uh, sexuality, you know, who you're supposed to date, and who you're, out the window. So everything's up for grabs. So people like you and me, you know, you're wanting to change the nation, wanting to, you know, again, optimistically be positive. Um, and I, you know, committed to creating a fearless world, you know, we're all moving the same way. We're all attempting to support individuals, organizations, corporations to really understand what it means to use themselves as well as their employees, as well as their strategic teams uh, to, to tap into the power of being fearless, the, the, the tapping into the power of the creativity and the energy and the and the, uh, the the motivation and the inspiration of being fearless, uh, you know we've we've motivated people through fear, and that really does not do what we want as a nation, as a country, as a world to happen. Uh, we we need more of that true energetic that comes from our hearts, from our essence, and it's only going to happen if we're fearless. And I was going to say, what is the thing that you feel people need to replace fear with, whether it's 
personally, whether it's corporations, whether it's the world? Like, what do we need to transition towards? Well, I, I do believe that we need to tr- uh, transition to something called fearless. You know, what fearless is for me, you know, uh, what uh, I'll give you my definition of fear. You know, fear is an affirmation of our growth. And right now, most people's definition of fear is, I got to avoid that. You know, I got to avoid that. That's like, that's bad. That's something bad's going to happen. You know, I'm not good enough for it, or it's too good for me, or, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm not good enough in whatever way it turns. And I really want to replace that with the knowledge at the very core of our being. Again, we, we all, some of us know this intellectually based on our spiritual past uh, or, you know, scientific studies we've read. But, you know, I want people to get it at their core, really have a visceral experience that all of us are good enough. You know, we are good enough. That doesn't mean we're not going to be motivated and inspired to be more, but that we are good enough. And there's nothing, nothing wrong with us. We are not defected. We are, don't need to be fixed. We do not have faults that are, that are undeniable and that we're, you know, screw the rest of our lives because we have them. Uh, you know, I've had tragic things happen. I'm sure you have. Most people have. And that doesn't have to define us. So to really start having a relationship with fear, to really understand that fear can really support us and actually is just a learning tool, to really shift our view of what fear is, truly gives us a relationship with freedom uh, that allows us to be fearless, that gives us the skills and the tools to actually access that courage within us uh, to give us the confidence and the esteem to really go wherever we want to go, to really what I call stretch, risk, or die, like really to take those stretches in life, to really take those risks in life, and to be willing to die to our true selves. You know, allow that ego, allow that image, allow that fear to die to who we're meant to be. And, And I do believe that all of us are going there, whether we want to or not, whether we do it consciously or unconsciously, we are compelled we are compelled uh, to continuously evolve into who we're meant to be. What we found at the first 30 days is life changes, whether yeah. they're changes that people make or changes that they have to face, and we all get our fair share, yeah. certainly brings up fear for people. Oh, absolutely. Is, is some fear healthy, or is it really something that needs to be replaced? Is it okay to be feeling the fear? Ab- absolutely. Fear is something that I want you, again, to have a relationship with. It's not something you're going to get rid of. Um, now, are you going to have a relationship with fear so things that are now fearful are no longer fearful? Yes. Are you going to be able to identify things for what they truly are rather than labeling them fear or labeling them something to avoid or, you know, making an excuse or justification? Yes. So when you start having a relationship with fear, you can actually put it in its proper place. Put it in the context, context of your life that it works for you, not against you. And the first 30 days, Ariane, are petrifying for people. Because, you know, you've got that maybe initial, you know, let, let's just say it's a change they want to make, okay? Change they want to make, there's a level of excitement, like, yes, I'm going to do it. I've been sitting on my butt for how long, and I'm going to make it happen. And, you know, they, they're doing it. They're making it happen. Well, that only lasts as long as their confidence lasts, as long as their toolbox is filled. Well, when you're into a new endeavor, you and I both know that that toolbox is emptying quick, and confidence is, de- you know, being depleted, and is it being siphoned off. So to start having a relationship with fear, you can actually continuously build your confidence, continuously build your self-esteem, continuously tap into that courage, continuously keep being inspired, and continuously, um, you know, support yourself in those 30 days so that it doesn't have to be this roller coaster, what it is for most people. Most people are up, they're down, they're up, they're down, they're up, they're down. Those 30 days are are hugely important for long-term success. And, and so my job to support you in your change nation and to support those change nation to truly create a fearless world, you know, we're working in tandem here, is 
how can they build a relationship with fear in those 30 days so fear becomes a support tool rather than something that stops, that it doesn't decide how they feel. Fear does not get to decide how you feel, and fear doesn't get to decide what you do and what you don't do. It doesn't get to decide that for you. And once you start recognizing that, those 30 days can be an extraordinary time of personal growth, of personal transformation, and not like putting one you know, heel in to stop and then you know, pushing yourself forward and then a heel in and then pushing yourself. It doesn't have to be so um, uh, fanatic. Rhonda, are there activities or specific actions for some of the men even listening to this that are like, well, what do I do? Well, the first thing I want you to do, and, and this seems very simplistic and it's so funny because I have so much resistance from people to do this exercise because you, know, you and I both know simple is better. Um, but people want it to be complicated. You know, they want to read 300 books on the subject and, you know, do 500 tests to make sure they're doing the right thing for them. It doesn't have to be that hard. Um, the very first thing I ask people to do is actually start doing something that's very simple. It's called acknowledgments. You know, when people are in fear, they do not give themselves a break. They do not see their innocence. They're riding themselves really hard. They're pointing out how they've got to be better, got to do it faster, got to do it quicker, got to do it, you know, just they're, they're constantly riding themselves and looking for that perfection. They may call it excellence, but what they're really looking for is perfection and a way to earn the right to achieve their goal in that first 30 days. And I'm not looking for you to earn the right. I'm actually saying you have the right. And what I'd like you to do is acknowledgements, and they're very simple. Today I acknowledge myself for and you got to write it out. Today, I acknowledge myself for, and I want you to acknowledge any stretch you've taken, any risk you've taken, or anything you've done that feels like a die. I want you to give yourself full credit. And what I mean by full credit is you don't get to say, today, I acknowledge myself for, you know, facing my boss, uh, you know, and telling him what my idea was instead of, you know, you know, going through committee, right? I told him what I thought, and then this is where most of us do it. And I didn't really do it very well, and I kind of did it sloppy, but hey, it's better than nothing, and it didn't really work anyway, so I'll just acknowledge myself kind of. You know, <laughs> it, you know we, we don't really own the things that we are doing, or the thoughts that we are shifting. So I just want you to start doing acknowledgments five times a day. And again, I want you to do it from a stretch, risk, or die perspective. A stretch is something you know you could do, but you just haven't done. A risk is something that you... Oh, I want to do it, but I don't know if I want to do it. I'm scared, but it's like, oh, gosh, I know it would make a difference, but oh, I, I don't know. You know, and a die is like, there is no way I'm doing that. Are you nuts? That's not, I don't think so, buddy. So those three ways of being, can you do a stretch, risk, or die on a daily basis? Can you do five stretches and then maybe a risk or two risks and then a die? Um, each time you do a stretch, risk, or die and acknowledge yourself for it, what you're really doing is building your self-confidence and in turn building up your self-esteem which, of course, then will give you the courage to take more action. Uh, so that's the number one thing. If I could do nothing else in the world is start having people keep acknowledgments because it's going to do the work for them really quite effortlessly, and it's going to lower their ability to beat themselves up. They're going to actually stop beating themselves up. If they look through the filter of acknowledgments, they will automatically stop beating themselves up. Now, think of the energy that will, the world will have if we all quit beating ourselves up. Be phenomenal. Yeah. World-changing. Yeah. Rhonda, people who want to make a change, they might want to move, change careers, write a book, pursue a dream. Other than fear, what other emotions have you seen typically show up in the thousands and thousands of people that you've worked with? Mm. Well, personally for me, you know, it all really comes down to fear. You know, they, they have their anxiety, they have their anxiousness, they have their hesitations, they have their procrastination, you know, they have their, you know, their worries, they have their um, 
you know, feelings of disappointment. They have their feelings of inadequacy. They have their feelings of I'm stupid, you know, feelings of I'm a loser, feelings of I'm not worthy. You know, they have all these feelings that come up. Uh, and again, it is, it is based on your own individual, what I call your wheel of fear. Everybody is propelled by a different uh, fear that's at the core of their being. And um, so you might be disappointed in a situation that I might be feeling worthless at. And it doesn't, you know, it's neither right or wrong. It's just the way that you operate and the way that I operate. So you're going to have a lot of feelings. The opportunity you have is to honor those feelings but not act on those. Honor the feelings but not act on it. So it's like, oh, I'm having that disappointment feeling. Ah, okay, got it. Now, I don't want to give meaning to it. I don't want to judge it. I don't want to label it something or name it something. I don't want to give a story around it. I'm just going to go, ah, disappointed. Okay, got it. Now, what am I really committed to? Well, I'm committed to doing A, B, and C, but I'm disappointed in myself on D, E, and F. Got it. And are you still committed to A, B, and C? Yes. Great. So let's let's talk about what you're committed to rather than allowing the feeling to decide. Because, again, most people, you know, most people think that they're all heady and they, you know, make decisions intellectually. I, I would beg to differ. Most people are run by feelings. Even though they're intellectual, feelings are still running them. And... Um, I want people to understand and to support them in realizing that many of our feelings lie to us because they're based in fear. So your feelings, to take action just on your feelings, is not necessarily going to be the best thing for you in the long run or in the short term. Rhonda, one of the things in your book you, you mentioned just now is the wheel of fear and the wheel of freedom. Mm-hmm. Can you share a little bit about what that is? Sure. Uh, let me just give you the, you know, the five-minute version. Uh, you know, the wheel of fear has four components. The most important components on the wheel of fear is what I call the trigger and the fear responses. Um, you know, we're all triggered uh, by a particular fear, and it's all individualized. You know, your wheel of fear is going to be different than my wheel of fear. Uh, to give you a, a really quick example, I'll use myself. My trigger is loser. What that means is I don't want you to, I, I don't want you, Ariane, or anybody else listening to think I'm a loser, right, if I'm in my fear. You know, if I'm in my fear, I'm like, you know, looking, smelling, seeing, and I am evaluating, again, consciously or unconsciously, if what you're thinking about me, how you're feeling about me, what's transpiring, you know, I'm constantly adjusting to make sure that nobody in this room thinks I'm a loser. So I'm going to start doing some fear responses. Let's say that loser comes up. Let's say I'm speaking to a group of people and somebody's nodding in the audience or somebody is, you know, talking to their friend or someone is like yawning, right? Oh, loser could come up if I'm, in, if I'm living on my fear. And I'm going to start noticing them, and I'm going to start doing fear responses. I'm going to start making sure that doesn't happen. So I might work harder. I might talk louder. I might laugh louder. I might uh, walk to the other side of the room and try to get their attention. I might go up to them. I might engage them. Um, I, might, I might do a variety of things to those three people so that they cannot think I'm a loser. Um, so we react using our fear responses to avoid being trigger and avoid what I call the core negative feeling, which is the third component of the wheel of fear. So I don't want you to think I'm a loser, so I'm going to start doing my fear responses. And I'm hoping to God my fear responses stop me from feeling the feeling I'm afraid to feel, which for me, again, again, I'm using myself as an example, is worthless. I don't want to feel worthless. And I've made it up in my mind somewhere, somewhere in my body, somewhere in my cells. I've made up that the way to not feel worthless is to not be a loser, darn it. So I'm going to do everything I can to not be a loser so that I don't have to feel like, so I don't have to feel worthless. But the fact is I am running in fear that is causing a run, that is causing me to run. So some people might be listening going, well, yeah, just be a winner. 
Well, winner is just the opposite side of uh, opposite side of the coin of loser. Therefore, it is wreaked, wreaked in fear too. So if you're trying to be a winner, you're trying to avoid something else. The minute you're trying to avoid something else called loser or whatever your name is, name for it is, you're in fear. So what I always say is fear will motivate you to be successful. Fear will motivate you to win. Fear will motivate money in your bank account, but it will never let you be satisfied. It will never let you have that sense of peace of mind. It will never say you're enough. It will let you be successful. It will absolutely feed that ego, but it will not let you rest and sit back and go, ah, job well done. Wow, yes, amazing. I'm good. Yahoo! And, Rhonda, is that where the wheel of freedom comes in? Yes, we... Yes, yes, you got it. I want to jump. I want to support you. What I do is I help people jump. One, identify their wheel of fear. Secondly, identify their wheel of freedom. And then thirdly, help them interact between the two. Start identifying. What I'm going to do is build your awareness so that you can actually tell when you're on your wheel of fear or wheel of freedom. So you can make actual choices and make decisions for yourself that really serve you beyond oh, how I feel or, or what I'm thinking. It's, it's, it's much deeper and much more visceral than that. So I'm going to support you to jump on your Wheel of Freedom. Now, again, I'll just use mine to make it simple and easy. Uh, the Wheel of Freedom is four components as well, and the most important components on the Wheel of fear, Freedom is what I call essential nature and your proactive behaviors. So my essential nature is authentic. Okay. So my job is to live in my essential nature as much as possible. The essential nature is your most denied aspect, the thing that you most deny about yourself. Okay. So now, if you want to go back to my trigger on my wheel of fear, if I really am afraid that I'm a loser, being authentic is not a good idea. Because then, if I'm being authentic and I really am afraid I'm a loser, I'm going to show up like a loser. So being authentic for me to live on my wheel of freedom is a risk. And what I've discovered and what I know to be true is when people live out of that part of them that they essentially deny that they're so afraid to touch because something's told them that that's the, scare, you know, that's the door you should not open. It is the very thing that sets us free. So the more that I anchor my proactive behaviors and the way I live in the world through my authentic being and actually figure that out, what the heck is that? When I'm so afraid to be a loser, it's kind of hard to focus on being authentic. The more that I have a new relationship with being authentic, the more that my wheel of fear I can have a relationship with it, and it doesn't own me. It can come up, but I can look at it for what it is and not get attached to it or get tied up into it or get tangled with it. I can go, aha, my job right now is to practice being authentic. Where can I be authentic in this moment? So it gives us a focal point. You know, people think they have all these problems. You know, people think, oh, I've got all these problems, and if I just have all these problems. Well, what I believe is all your problems are a symptom of your wheel of fear. And once you identify your wheel of fear and your wheel of freedom, it gives you a clear focus. It gives you kind of like a machete to go through the, you know, the wilderness or the Amazon. It really gives you a clarifying point and a way to filter your decisions and a way to filter the way you see the world in a very simplistic way so that you can cut through the, um, through the, you know, double talk, through the do I, do I not, through the confusion, through the uh, frustration, through the doubt. And, and really find your way out very easily and, and much more simply than you think. Rhonda, I'm curious in your work if you have seen a big difference in the way that men and women go through change. What, what's different in some of the men you've worked with who've had to face change versus the women? Well, what I'm, what I'm really blessed to see is that when men come to me, by the time they come to me, they're really wanting to be, you know, they're really, they're really done with... Um, 
trying to save their ego. You know, they're really done. They want to, sure, they want to look good, just like, you know, women don't necessarily don't want to look good either. Because you have to remember that there's a lot of women out there uh, that are male energy driven and are filled with testosterone. And there are men out there that have really lost their masculine energy. Uh, you know, they may have it when they go out with the boys, but really at work, they've lost a lot of that masculine energy and actually have moved more into the female energy. So when it comes to change, sure, there can be, you know, gender differences per se, you know, but I find them in actuality very slight because if you're really working with masculine and feminine energy, when you're getting beyond gender, um, change is scary and it doesn't have to be as scary as we think it is. But yes, change is scary and change can be hard. Again, doesn't have to be as hard as we think. It doesn't have to be as scary as we think. Um, but I want to go more to the, you know, to the truth of who we are rather than get caught up in, well, men do it this way, women do it this way. Um, because, boy, I know a lot of women that are more men than some men I know. <laughs> Rhonda, I'm curious if God or a higher force or something that's sort of inexplainable comes into your work and what you try and reveal and wake up in people. You know, people always ask me, is God in your work? And I always say, you know, if you believe in God, you'll see it everywhere. If you don't believe in God, it's a really nice mythology. You know, it's a really nice process-driven way to live your life, you know. Uh, For me personally, Fearless Living came out of my own spiritual path. Uh, I believe that there is magic in the work I do. I always tell people, trust the work, you know, whether you believe it, whether you're feeling it, whether you're experiencing it, it doesn't matter, just start the path, and it, the work will work you. I always say that the work will work you. It is, it is a process. It will work you. And uh, so, yes, do I believe that spirit is, um, I, I believe that spirit, you know, I mean, I believe this is all spirit-driven, um, and I believe that I am, uh, uh, have had the privilege of really having a connection that supports me in listening so that I can share what I've learned and share what I know and share what I've experienced. Uh, never thought it would help others. It just happens to. It just never, never was my intention. Um, and that all came from my own spiritual life of wanting to expand and realizing that uh, if it works for me and other people are asking me how it works for me, then maybe it's not mine to keep. Maybe it's mine to share. And that was scary. You know, it's scary to have a first book come out and tell everything you know about, you know, share all your stuff. And scary for that second and third. I mean, just, you know, people, you know, know a lot about me and my stuff, you know, and how I react out of fear. And that's very humbling and very, uh, whew, you know, very, oh, boy, you know. And and um, I lean I lean on the knowledge that uh, and the experience that uh, – I'm doing this for something beyond myself, but really for the for the um, for the greater good and for and for well, let's put it this way, you know, that I'm I'm doing it for the souls that are are wanting to be touched in the way that I've been touched in this particular way and in this particular work. And I'm grateful to that same spirit for having you now be on on our path and, mm. and speaking today. I truly am, Rhonda. Talking about your life and even your life before the books and before the success certainly overcome some incredible life experiences and changes and I also understand that 2007 was not an easy year it was certainly challenging yes can you share some of those changes but more specifically what is it that helps you get through the tough times Hmm. you know 
like I said, you know, it's really a relationship with fear. It doesn't mean you're not going to have your stuff and it's not going to be, it's not, it's not like a, um, oh, gee, now that I'm fearless, it doesn't mean that I don't have to face my stuff. I don't have to grow. In fact, my dedication to being fearless, uh, sometimes I feel like I, I'm inviting. It's like I court all my, um, stuff to be, to come up, to be healed, to be cleared. So, you know, when I was 14, you know, you know, my father murdered my mother and committed suicide in front of me. And, you know, it took me 20 years to move through that. And 2007 has really um, brought me to my knees in the subtle ways in which I, um, it's almost like, you know, you live your life in a certain way and then all of a sudden those skills and tools are tapped out. You know, so, you know, all the ways I've been living my life have worked for me and have supported me and have been great and fearless living totally supports me and works for me. And I need more tools. And the tools that I'm seeking now uh, aren't necessarily confidence builder tools. I, I got my toolbox filled with confidence builder tools. And, um, you know, I got courage tools. Uh, what I'm needing is, what I'm really working on is deepening tools and surrender tools and grieving tools and facing loss and and really allowing myself to surrender uh, everything that does not serve me uh, to a deeper and more transformational level. And I've been on my knees for a year and and deeply grateful and deeply grateful. I think that's the cool thing is like, you know, the whole time this has been happening to me, you know, it's like everything that could potentially happen – you know, business, profession, you know, professionally, personally, relationship, you know, you name it, has happened in 2007. It's like, you know, it's like God knocked at my door and go, oh, by the way, just wanted to clean the house out. And let me just start taking things now. <laughs> and, you know, it just started, it felt like ripping things out of my life. And, uh, and, I knew, and I know, and I do know this to the core of my being, that it's good. And um, I have to, this is where I get to lean on my authenticity. This is, you know, my wheel of freedom. This is where I get to lean on my spiritual growth. This is where I get to lean on my support team and how I get to lean into that support team more than I ever have. You know, I've been somebody that's highly motivated, um, highly, uh, I'm a risk taker. I'm highly motivated. I, I'm, I get things done. I'm very proactive. You know, I make things happen. And that's the last thing I need to do right now. It's like I need to do almost like just r- relax and, and allow it to even be more done for me rather than me doing it. And for somebody who's a doer and proactive and, a, and make it happen and motivated and uh, to just sit back and allow the effortlessness of life to take over, you know, is an ego challenge. And, uh, and, and with everything being, you know, kind of taken, you know, again, it wasn't taken from me, but it feels taken from me. Um, you know, the very thing I want to do is jump in and, and, and solve problems. I'm really good at solving problems. You know, I can, I can save the day any day of the week. I'm, you know, I can save anybody's life. Uh, and here is the last, the, the skills, it's the last thing I need to do. So to just really uh, kind of, um, you know, it's kind of like, okay, six, you know, three-fourths of my life, seven-eighths of my life, I thought I was, you know, fully developed. And then there's this one place where it's like I hit a pothole. And it's like, oh, not only was it a pothole, but it was a, you know, it's a cavern <laughs> and I am in the cave and, uh, and all the tools I have can't get me up the side of the mountain. So I'm having to rely on other things and, and, and lean into that and allow other people and other support to really help me through this. And again, that's not something that, um, 
is a skill that I'm masterful at. Rhonda, one of, one of the things that has gotten me through some of those times is something I've started to call the change guarantee, yeah. <laughs> which is when life gives you a lot of those changes, um, something good will come. Yeah, absolutely. Always does. Absolutely. Always and does. Absolutely. Uh, and I can't agree more. You know, this whole time this is happening, the good news is that I have enough experience with change, and I think that's, this is a message for all of your listeners as well. When you have a relationship with change, you understand that change is always good. So this whole year that I've been on my knees, you know, and trying to crawl out of the cavern, I also know that this is the beginning of a transformational thing that I can't even fathom what my life is about. My, like, when something like this happens to me, I know the growth and the change, the positive output of what's it, what is it going to occur after this is exponential. And I can't even fathom my life three years from now. It's going to be so phenomenally amazing. And so, yes, I haven't called it the change guarantee, but I absolutely believe it. I believe that every change we go through absolutely has a guarantee. And how we go through change is an opportunity to do it gracefully, with ease, with self-love, or we can fight it all the way and it can become more painful, more struggle, more suffering. And it's just a choice we make. Rhonda, um, one of the things that my coach told me, and it stayed with me for a while as well, is after divine chaos always follows divine grace. Yes, absolutely. And it just, it's, just, absolutely. it's really stayed with me. Yeah, grace is the grace is it, um, you know. I, and and what I, a, a practice I've been doing lately is just watching how the universe responds to me, how spiritual, you know, spiritual light responds to me. You know, when I have a need, it just automatically is is taken care of. And when you're in the midst of change, you forget that. You forget how you're well so well taken care of. You forget that all your needs are met. You forget that there is love and support for you because you're in the midst of your own pain and your own, you know, your own fear of change. And so, you know, a, a, a spiritual practice that I do is just continuously, re, you know, look for those moments of, ah, there's an email from somebody who's loving me. Ah, there's somebody who's um, uh, handing me something that I didn't even ask for. Ah, there's somebody who wants to just connect uh, and tell me, you know, send me a fan letter and tell me how, how I've changed their life. All of those moments remind me, ah, yes, ah, yes, ah, yes. You're on the path. Keep going deeper. Yes, release. Yes, yes. Allow that energy to uphold you. And yes, divine chaos does turn into divine grace. Uh, chaos is grace. So I couldn't agree more. Rhonda, I just want to do a time check with you because I could keep talking. Uh, do you have a few more minutes? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Okay. Because I wanted to switch a little bit. Talk to you a little bit about the first 30 days of pursuing a dream. It's something that I know that you've coached a lot of people through. I know, I think we all have a dream buried deep inside of us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A lot of us find it very hard to identify what it is. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Getting people going on bringing that up and, and taking those first few steps to get started, what would you say? I have an exercise for that because I do believe that most people, you know, people come to me for two reasons, love or purpose. And I believe it's because we have a deep desire to live passionately. And love gives us ability to have passion. And when we have a person, purpose, we give ourselves permission to have passion. So I actually have a, a exercise that I always hand people when they come to me to go, I want to find my purpose. I want to find that dream. I want to find that thing that I'm meant to do and nobody else. Um, and again, I believe that we all are given a purpose, and I think we all know our purpose, but fear stops us from seeing it because it's so scary. Um, but this is the exercise I give everyone. I ask them to keep a skills list. And I didn't say a titles list. I didn't say a job list. I said a skills list. I want you to take the last 10, 20, 30, 50 years of your career, your life, and I want you to list every single skill you have. 
So it might be, you know, I answer the phone really well. I know how to work this machinery. Um, uh, I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want you to write secretary or Salesforce or administrative assistant or, you know, vice president of finance. Those are titles. I want the skills. So that skills list isn't 50 things. It's not 100 things. It's 250. It's 500. I want you to break it down into its smallest component. This is going to support you in giving credit, okay, giving yourself credit for all the skills you do have. Because, again, when we're making a change, we think we don't know anything. Second exercise I give you, and I do these in tandem. They do them at the same time. The second exercise I ask you to do is keep a love list. So I want you to start keeping track of every moment that you love in your life. So whether you look outside and the sky is blue and you get a smile on your face, write down, look at sky, blue, a smile on my face. Oh, you, you walk by a rose and you just love that color. Good, write it down. Uh, you go to a dinner with a friend and you just love the company. Great, write it down. So any time that you're feeling a connection, uh, love, uh, some sort of yes, yes moment, like this, yes, I love this moment, write it down. Now, this is where the magic that we talked about earlier, um, Ariane, you know, the spiritual, like the, 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 the fairy dust, okay? What I have seen, and I cannot tell you how many times I've seen it, hundreds and hundreds of times, is that as you start keeping the skills list and as you start keeping the love list, and I, and I do this over several weeks. It's not just one week. Uh, that just is the beginning. I always tell people, go back, do more. And then they come back the second week and I say, no, no, more. And they're like, no, I've done everything. And I go, no, more. And I do it for three to four weeks, and sometimes more, but usually around three or four weeks. This is the fairy dust. What starts transpiring is as you start owning your skills to build up your self-confidence and you start claiming what you love, they start intersecting at mag- in magical ways that I can't explain, we can't explain, you know, you can't explain. It just starts opening up your heart and your mind into seeing your life through a different lens And all of a sudden, you are open to seeing things that you never thought were possible. You start seeing careers through a different set of eyes, jobs through a different set of eyes. And all of a sudden, something, like, shines out. Something pokes out. Something is, like, you know, blazing. And you're like, ah, ah, yes. And and this is the trick. Most people want to get their purpose in one fellow swoop. And they want it to be, I'm changing the world doing this. Well, it may not be world-changing, may not be country-changing, nation-changing. It may not be, you know, family-changing. It just may be changing you, and it may be this small, minute thing. The thing I've recognized is invest in the life you have to get the life you want. So invest in that first aha, yes, this is, like, pick up the scent. Pick up the first breadcrumb. Take that next step of that thing that sh- starts shining through, that, that's blazing on that page, that's starting to ring. Do this, do this, do this, do this. Yes, this, this, this. Do it. Again, you may not understand how it's leading you to purpose, but guarantee you it will. Just follow the breadcrumbs. And I've seen this time and time and time again. And people have created careers that don't even exist because of this work. And they've really found their own individual niche that turns them on, you know, turns them up and allows them to really live the life their soul intended because that's, you know, what we want to do is live the life our soul intended. Uh, so that's an exercise I always give. Um, I hope your listeners use it in their own life and be ruthless with it. Keep doing it and allow it to talk to you. Don't tell it. It will tell you. Listen and start following the breadcrumbs. Rhonda, one of the things I'm curious about is, is it a myth that pursuing a dream and following your bliss, like Joseph Campbell would say, is it supposed to be easy? Is it supposed to be to feel great and feel right all the time? <laughs> no, 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 no. 
you know, one of the things, I have so many entrepreneurs come and work with me, and they go, I just want to do what I love. And I think, well, you know, I love coaching. I love, you know, speaking. I love changing lives. You know, I like uh, facilitating, leaving workshops. I love all that. And you know what? I still got to pay the bills and uh, do the paperwork. And I, I think there's a fallacy that when you're in your passion, all of a sudden you'll love everything. I don't believe that's true at all. I believe that when you really are willing to tap into what you're meant to do and really own it, that then the things that you don't like doing become they become they become more than tolerable. They become part of the package. You can't separate it. Um, it's part of what you have to do, and it becomes part of that learning mechanism that you must do in order to really do your passion and purpose. So no, I'm learning things right now in my business that you know what I don't want to do. I have no desire to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't even like doing it. But I'm not going to become a better businesswoman. I'm not going to become more masterful in business and leading, you know, a fearless world if I do not learn these skills. So I can either sit here and go, well, I can just hire somebody to do that, and I don't have to learn that, and I'll just always hire somebody to do that. But then I'm not learning what I need to learn in order to become who I'm meant to be. So when I start seeing it from that point of view, ah, here it is for me to learn, because I, I don't know when I'm going to need this skill. I'm going to need this skill later. It's being presented to me now, so I have it when I need it. So I'm going to learn it. And quit saying, I don't want to learn that. You know, that's, that doesn't turn me on. I'm not going to do it. It's like you're actually, you know, you're actually saying no to something that's being gifted to you that's going to support you later on that you have no idea you're going to need. Rhonda, last question on, on pursuing a dream. Is there ever a right time to start? Is it now? Is it in a month? Is it when I have enough money, when I know the people, when I've finished my lists, when my parents will support me? Yeah. When's the right time to start? When you decide. When you decide. You know, all, there are so many, how many thousands and thousands of hundreds of thousands, millions of people lament, oh, I want to have a purpose. Oh, I want to have a dream. I, I hear it all day long. I hear it in all my workshops. When I ask how many people want a purpose, three-quarters of the room raises their hand. Yes, I want a purpose. And they're looking for something that will be revolutionary and change and different. And it's like, that's not what it's about, people. I didn't start fearless living because I wanted to change the world. Heck, I just wanted to change myself. And then my friends asked me, and heck, they wanted to do it. Okay, well, year. And then there were three people in my living room and five people in my living room. If I started fearless living by thinking of a fearless world, I would have thought I was failing the first year and given up. It's much more, it's much more incremental, much smaller than that, much more um, visceral, much more tactical, you know, tactile than that. So is there a right time when you're sick of being sick, of hearing yourself talk about what you want to do? You must decide, are you willing and are you ready? And then you must do what it takes to be willing and ready and stay there and then decide and start moving. That's the right time. Everything else is just a big old excuse. Rhonda, the way I end all of our expert interviews here on the show across all our experts, any change, is to ask them the exact same three questions, just to look at what's similar and what's familiar. They take about a a minute in total. Here's the first one. What is the belief that you go to in times of change? Ask me that again. (laughs) When things are changing in your life, what is the number one core belief that keeps you grounded? What is the one thing that you believe? All of this is happening for my good. All of this is supporting me and to live the life my soul intended. All of this is being given to me for me so I can be used more fully. Number two, fill in the blank. The best thing about change is? 
the excitement, the expand, the expansion, the wonder. Here's the last one. What is the best change that you've ever made? Mm. The best change I've ever made is giving up the belief that there is something wrong with me and knowing that there is nothing wrong with me and I am worthy and I have a right to fulfill my purpose on earth and that I do have an opportunity and it is my, oppor- and is my opportunity to live the life my soul intended and I get to do that. Rhonda, you're a beautiful soul, and I thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with me, with the listeners, your experience, your true honesty and authenticity I know has come through to me and and on the whole show. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for um, doing such a wonderful thing because change is scary, and that you're creating the Change Nation is going to allow people to to be able to face it more, you know, to be able to have a place to lean into. You know, you're going to become that place to lean and that it's going to become that place to support. And, and, and people need to know that. People need to know it's okay. And people need to know it's okay to be scared. And I, I applaud you and I appreciate the work you're doing. Thank Congratulations you, to you. Thank you. And, you know, you and, and countless other people, we all have a, a little piece of the puzzle. It's certainly something I'm doing as, yes. a, as a community. Absolutely. Today I've been speaking with best-selling author, international speaker and life coach, Rhonda Britton. You can learn much more about her her workshops, all of her books at her website, www.fearlessliving.org. I'm Ariane, founder and CEO of First 30 Days. Thanks for listening to our show, Change Nation, a weekly program where we talk to experts and others about dealing with all types of change in our lives. For more conversations and tips, you can visit us online at first30days.com. Mm-hmm.